Well, good morning. So when the lightning struck outside, our three security guards jumped. Yeah. One of them was on the edge of the portico and went, And I wanted to say, you know, dude, it's too late now. I mean, it's absolutely too late now. So anyway, well, um, this should be fun, all right? But we can do this because long before there was technology, we were preaching. So, so there, there is that, right? Uh, I did uh, want to show you, um, I got these for Summer Spectacular. <clears throat> they have eyeballs on them. See them? They're blindfolds and they have eyeballs on them, right? And I challenged Nicole to do her announcements with these in the second service, but she didn't. She didn't do that. She said she was going to, so obviously she needs to re-listen to the sermon, let your yes be yes. <laughs> Just having a little fun, having a little fun. Um, we are starting a series called Stars, and uh, this will go all the way to August the 27th, so it's, it's a pretty lengthy, lengthy little, little thing. So we'll do stars, and um, as you know... In Scripture, I'm sure that you know, uh, in Scripture, in Genesis chapter 1, on the fourth day, God created the sun, moon, and stars. On the fourth day. Now, this is is interesting to me, very interesting to me. Do me a favor. If that starts blinking back there on and off, I need somebody to tell me because I'm going to turn that off so it won't be distracting. Okay? Is Is that good? Just... Don't worry, just tell me, I'll turn it off. <clears throat> All right, here we go. So on the fourth day, um, God, God created the planets and the sun, moon, and stars. And this has always been fascinating to me because the day before, and you may or may not remember this, the day before, God created vegetation on the earth. And so there's trees, there's flowers, there, there's grass, there's, there's all kinds of stuff like that. But there's no sun to help those things survive, right? And so with just merely God's power, the vegetation is surviving and, and going about. Isn't that, isn't that absolutely amazing, right? And, and the second thing is, all right, look, guys, let's turn it all off. Just, give, just turn that off. That's totally distracting me. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I'm like, you know, it comes on and I go like this because we're so trained. With, isn't it just terrible that we're trained that way? Like I'm like this. So just turn it all off. Yeah, it would be great. All right, here we go. So here's, here's the planet. Here's our planet. And I don't know if it was just stationary in the universe in the middle of nothing or if it was already going in a circle around something, but it is stationary in the universe and the only thing holding it together is the power of God. Wow. And then God said, well, I'm going to put this sun in place, and I'm going to start the world spinning, and I'm going to spin it so that there's a gravitational pull. I'm going to set a moon into place, and I'm going to put that around the sun because the sun has gravitational pull, right? And so he started this whole system of the earth revolving around one sun in the whole universe that can sustain life like mine. That is amazing. He did all of that. He did all of that. It wasn't evolution. He actually did it himself with his own power. And with that in mind, what I want you to do is I want you to turn in your Bibles 
to Psalm chapter 8. Psalm chapter 8. Psalm chapter 8. Psalm, Psalm chapter 8. Okay? And as we go there, if you notice I have some, some paint on me, and this is why, I want, to, I want to kind of set up Psalm 8 for you this morning um, and let you know where it fits. Uh, before we did the Bible this way, long before we did the Bible this way, the Psalms were in several books. It wasn't just in one book. It was in several books. And so the first book was Psalm 1 through 42. And within that book or within that scroll, they were sectioned into themes. So, for instance, Psalm 1 and 2 has a theme. It's, it's blessed and it's wisdom is the theme of, of Psalm 1 and 2. That's, that was its theme. And then there is where this one is. And so, yep, there we go. And so we have three, right? Three through seven, okay? We have three through seven, okay? Then we have eight. Eight is just so much easier to do this with. So three through seven, and then we have eight, and then we have nine, nope, nine, I didn't like that either. Nine, looks like a P, but let's just go with it. Nine through 14. Okay? Nine through 14. So in three through seven, here is the main theme of these, th uh, these psalms right here. It is this. Help me. This is the theme of this right here. In fact, it would go one step further and say, help me, I am powerless. P-R-L-E-S-S. -E -S. S's are harder, okay? So help me, I am powerless. So this is the theme of this. Help me, I am powerless. I'm reaching out to somebody. I'm going through some difficulty. There's something happening in my life here on earth. Help me, I'm powerless. And then 9 through 14 is also a theme of help, okay? It's also a theme of help, but it's a little bit different. It is help them. It's help them. There is some help me in these psalms, but the over, overarching theme of these psalms is help them. Help them because they are also powerless, so this is widows and orphans sort of stuff. This is, this is the oppressed. This is the afflicted. This is the people that have enemies coming in on them, and they just are powerless to respond. It says, help them. And right here between these two is this Psalm 8. And for the first time in the book of Psalms, we have a praise psalm. It is a psalm that is focused on just praising God. It has no really help me in it. It has no, nothing like that. It is a psalm about what God is about and what he is doing. And so Psalm 8 is about God's power. It's about God's power. It's about his power and, what, and the amazing, powerful God that he actually is. So we have help me, I'm powerless, 
help them, I'm powerless. And right here in chapter 8, we have this um, picture of a God that is powerful. And in fact, it will present God as the most powerful being in the universe, is how it will present it. So we start, and it says this, um, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That particular word, Lord, at the very beginning is Jehovah, which means covenant God. Um, It's a God that makes promises. So Jehovah is a God that makes promises. He's made a promise, and and that's Jehovah. The very next, our Lord, is a different name of God, and it's Adonai. And Adonai is a God of power, a God that is substantial enough to do what he says he is going to do. And so those two things together, our Lord, our Lord, uh, covenant promise-making God, and our Lord, a powerful God, uh, right from the beginning is saying, look, God has made promises, and God is powerful enough to keep those promises. So when God says that he's going to take care of you in this life, he is going to take care of you in this life, it might not be the way that you want it. It might not be the vision that you have for it, but God is still involved in your life and he has the power to keep his promise. If he says that if you become a Christian, you will be with me in heaven, he's gonna keep that promise. He is powerful enough to do so. Nobody's going to to hinder him from keeping those promises. He is powerful enough to do that. So, O Lord, our Lord, the covenant promise-making God that's powerful enough to keep his promises, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. So this is the first clue that David is somewhere outside. Now, I don't know if it's when he's young and he's keeping sheep and he's writing this this, uh, song. I don't know if it's there or if it's later in life, like when Saul is is, is uh, after him, or maybe just in general, like he's a king and he goes outside and he looks up at the stars. I don't know, but what I do know is he's outside and he's looking up at the stars, he's looking up the, at the heavens, and he's saying, man alive, that is the God I serve, a God that has made promises to my ancestors that are being fulfilled right now, and he's powerful enough to do that in the future because he keeps all of that going. He keeps all of that going. You cannot name an agency on earth that keeps anything in outer space going except for satellites. Right? Yeah, and we have a hard time with that. They come crashing out. That's right. You don't have an agency on earth that says, hey, we're in control of Jupiter and where it goes. There's no agency on earth that does that, but we serve a God that does it every day and every minute. He is a majestic, amazing, amazing God, just absolutely amazing. And then verse 2, get to verse 2. It says, out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. Now, we're not going to jump into that right now. We're going to get back to that later. That is a very intriguing verse because I'm like, what does that actually mean? What, how does that fill out in this whole, this whole psalm? So verse 3 says, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set into place. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers. Now, there's other places in the Psalms that say that God 
created the world with just the breath of his mouth. He just exhaled and the stars were in space, right? David here says, yes, that is true. He's not negating it, but he says that there are fingers on the stars. Now, this is where I miss the projection. Because I had stars, and it's out west, and there's color, and there's tons of stars out there in the sky. And if you could just for a moment take your imagination and imagine looking up at the star, stars in the sky and seeing the moon and seeing all of that, and, and think about God's fingers touching all of that and placing them in their positions. Think about that. He just... Uh, I think I want a star here. I think I want a star here. I think I want some planets here. Right? And so, a God that is an artist, right? He is a creative artist, is taking all these chunks of matter that he is blowing into his fingers and he's placing them in outer space. Wow, that's, that's a big God. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but we don't even know everything that's out there. We are constantly, constantly finding new solar systems, new planets, new this, new that. We are constantly discovering what God did 6,000 years ago with just his breath and his fingers as he pressed them into our, as he placed them into outer space. We are discovering what God already knows. Not only that, but when God took all of this and he's placing them up in, in space and there's all these stars, Psalm says this. Psalm says that when he created the stars, he gave them names. Names. So of the billion, quadrillion, whatever number it is out there, God is giving the stars that he is placing into existence names. That is mind-blowing too, ladies and gentlemen, because sometimes I forget my children's names. I get upset at them. I say all different types of names. They're all nice. They're all within the family, but I finally get to Aurora. Sometimes you just go, Quinn, oh, no, 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 Aurora. And I know you've done it too. You've had to have. With 10, just go through the list. No, you're not that one. Oh, no, right? And so you're, you're just doing it. So, so he remembers all their names. So you can't really do this right now. You can't really do this right now. But I bet some of you have introduced yourself to someone else in this room, and you did it, and they told you their name. And right now in this moment, as you look at them, or you see them as they came into the building today, you're like, oh, man, I met them last week, but I cannot remember their name, right? I just cannot remember their name. And then we usually say, well, the church is growing, you know, and I just can't keep up with all these people and all this kind of stuff. And so, so you can't remember that. Listen, I get it. There are times that I can say your name and I know who you are and you will walk up at the end of the message and I'll be like, yeah, I know their family history. I know who their mama is. I know how many babies they have. I know where they live, but I cannot think of his name right now in this moment. I just can't think of his name. God named the stars, and he has never forgotten a name. And the names aren't like our names. You know, H1356, 
you know, it's over here, H1357, like we do today. We give them numbers like that. It's not like that. They are actual names that he has given them. And he remembers all of that. He remembers where he has placed them. He is in control of all of that. He is truly a majestic God. Truly a majestic God. So, O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I looked at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, when I look at all of that, check out this next verse. What is man that you are mindful of him? If you can just grasp a little bit about the vastness of the universe and how big it is and how small we actually are, if you were to go outside of our solar system and if you were to look at the Milky Way, if you were to look at the Milky Way, you would not be able to see planet Earth. You would not be able to see planet Earth. You might be able to see our sun, you might be able to see our sun, but you would not be able to see planet Earth. And if you were outside of our galaxy and all you could see was our sun and you couldn't really see planet Earth, you know you couldn't really see planet Earth, what you definitely would not be able to see is people on planet Earth. You wouldn't be able to see us. In the vastness and far reaches of the universe, we are so, so tiny, minuscule. We're nothing. We are insignificant in regards to the rest of the universe. Totally insignificant. So small and so powerless. So powerless. Help them. Help me. We are so insignificant and we're so powerful that we are trying to find someone that will come into our lives and fix our problems. We are minuscule. And the scripture here says, oh my goodness, Lord, you are so majestic. You're, all that stuff in outer space is amazing. Yet you have made me a little lower than the heavenly beings Wait, 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 I'm sorry. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Why does God have an interest in you and me? Why? Why does he? We are so, so insignificant. But the amazing thing is that he does. He does. He looks at the vastness of the universe, the bigness of everything that he did, has done, the power that he has displayed, and he is concerned about you above anything else that he has created. So when you look up at the stars, when you look up at all the power that it takes to get all of that to be on a course and not collide together, God is more concerned about your well-being and who you are in a relationship with you than he is about making Jupiter go around the sun. But God can care for you and make Jupiter go around the sun at the same time. 
How many of you can do two or three things at the same time? Some, okay, nobody. Okay, one in the back. Here we go. Anybody else over here? One, yeah. Oh, the, the boy, uh, yeah. Video games don't count, dude. <laughs> Doesn't count. But, but yeah, over here, can do. How many of you can do a hundred things at the same time? None of us. God does more than that. And while he's doing all of that, he is still individually concerned about you, and he is with you. That particular word, um, what is man that you are mindful of him, is like, a, is like he, he, he um, is thinking about you. It is a word that means he is displaying fatherly love towards you. Fatherly love. Now, let me just say this. I know there's some people in here that did not have a good dad, did not have a good mom. I get it. I want you to set that aside for a moment. Because the way that a father should have been was he should have been loving and protecting of you. That's how a father should have been. That is the way that God our Father is. He loves you. He cares. He protects you. He, he is involved in your life. And then the next word that's down there, care for him, um, what is God that you care for him? We have this fatherly love thing, and that particular word care means to visit. It, it means that God comes to you. Because let's face it, you can care at a distance. Right? You can care at a distance. I'm not speaking against that because there are a lot of people in the world. And, and you might not be able to sit beside all of them that are going through a problem, right? You have to select a few and then, and then you go on. We're all just a couple people. Some people just care from a distance. That we can care from a distance. God doesn't care from a distance. He's right in there with you in the mess. When you are powerless and you're crying out, help me, or help them, he is right there with them, assisting, helping them get through whatever it is. That is an amazing thing that he can do that and keep track of everybody's name he is helping and keep track of the names of all the stars and keep everything going in the universe. I'm already overwhelmed. But God can do it because he's that big and he cares for you. You are the most valuable thing in the universe. That brings us to verse 2. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. The last thing that God created was on day six. And it was humans. He created a man. He created a woman. Up until that point, in the six days of creation, he had not created a divine being. But on that last day, he created us, and we are divine beings. We are actually the last of the divine beings that have been created. Because before the six days of creation, it is my interpretation of Scripture that God had already created angels and all those stuff, all that stuff that's in heaven. It was already there. So he had already created a bunch of these divine beings. He creates this world, and then all of a sudden, we are the last divine beings. Therefore, you and I are the infants and the babies that is spoke of right here. 
And it's through us that he establishes his power. Isn't that the gospel? Isn't that God saving our soul and giving us power? He has established us to stand against Satan and his evil. Come on, church. We are the babies. We are the infants of creation. I'll take this one step further because it's pretty cool. In scripture, God's family is referred to as stars. We'll talk about more of that later. Just go with it for now. We are called stars. So when you actually look up in the heavens, you're seeing metaphorically the number of people that have believed and that are a part of God's family. Started with Abraham. Goes all the way through us, right? So you're seeing all this stuff. So I got to thinking about that and I was like, well, good night. I'm one of the, I'm one of the babies. Abraham's the infant. I'm younger than he is. You go to King David, I'm younger than he is. You go to Luke, you go to Paul, you go to all of them. They have been created divine beings because this is an amazing point. God hasn't stopped create, creating. Sorry, I'm pretty excited about this. He hasn't start, stopped creating since the first, since the sixth day of creation. Okay, let me get a little less excited. God creates on this planet Every time there is a conception, at the moment of conception, his fingers and his breath is breathing into that little thing that you can't see if you don't have a microscope. And he starts to form it in the womb. He is involved. He's involved as a fatherly, a father that loves and he's involved as someone that is visiting that particular human because that human has a purpose in this world. That human is the next in a series of divine beings. Isn't that amazing? So when that individual comes out, whether it's a girl or a boy, it is the next stage in infancy. It is a baby and then I become the infant. And we never pass through the infant stage here on this earth. Never do. Do you know when we come to full maturity? It's when Jesus comes back and gives us our perfect body. And then we're fully mature. We're no longer babes and infants. I'm about ready to be a full-grown spiritual adult. Amen? I'm about ready to do that. But even in our little insignificance of being babies and infants divinely, God is still empowering us to stand against the evil that is in the world. He is calling us to do that. That is an amazing thing. You see, what happens sometimes is that when we're crying out because of this, because we feel powerless, all we can see is what's happening in this world. That's all we can see. And when we're saying help them, we are feeling for them because we see that the good people are being overpowered and we're just crying out to God to, to help them out. And David is saying, pause a moment. When you're overwhelmed and all you can see is your powerlessness, all you can see is the trouble here on earth, this is what you should do. Look up, look up, 
and see a powerful, majestic God that can take care of all of your issues. Look up. It seems like you're powerless, but there's a God that loves you that is more powerful than any problem that came your way. Wow, that's, that's something. Um, I, need, I need to get this because this was on a, on a screen, so just let me get the scripture. By the way, um, if you ever get into a position where you're like, man, I'm the, there's so few people that believe in what I believe in. You ever get there? Like you watch TV and you're like, Man, the whole world doesn't believe what I believe in. There's so few of us. Well, that's a moment that you need to go outside and look up at the stars. Because your family that believes the way you do is countless. It's countless. Not only do you have a big God, you got a big family. So um, Psalm 136, uh, that's Jeremiah. I flipped too far. I would blame it on the lighting, but that would be a lie and then I'd have to be Methodist. All right, um, <laughs> and that's just a joke for people. I, I pick old people all the time, okay. All right, here we go. This is what it says, 136. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. It's not just for a moment of time, it's forever. He is a covenant-making God. He has the power to keep that covenant. And then check this out in verse seven. To him who made the great lights for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and the stars to rule over the night for his steadfast love endures forever. The great lights is a reminder of God's steadfast love because every time you look up, those stars are gonna be there. The moon might disappear, but you still know it's there. Nothing's going to happen to it. In fact, nothing is going to happen to any of that creation until God says it's going to happen. Because he's in control of it. His love endures forever. So when you look up at the stars, you're reminded not only of God's power, but of his steadfast love. And his steadfast love has a focal point. And that focal point is you. No matter what you're going through, if it's a good time or a tough time, God loves you the same. He loves you. He wants to be involved in your life. And he is just the best being in the universe to have on your side. Here's a quote um, from an astronomer. I just need to find it. Uh, this is from Henry Norris Russell. He's a Princeton astronomer. And he had just got finished presenting the Milky Way and how big it was and how big God is, is what he had done. And a lady walked up to him, and this is what she said. She said, if our world is so little and the universe so great, can we really believe that God pays attention to us? Can we really believe that? And he responded, well, ma'am, that depends entirely on how big the God is you believe in. That is powerful. 
And I'm here to tell you today, the God I believe in is big enough. He's big enough. He's big enough. And if you just take a moment to look around, you can see the miracles that not only he is doing in other people's lives, but he is doing in yours as well. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are reminded right before this service of your great power in a very small way, but significant. The lightning that struck, the power here, we all heard it, we all heard the boom. And that is a display of your greatness. The rain that came down as we walked into the building and we felt it is a display of your greatness. And when these clouds clear this afternoon and we go into the evening and Venus comes out first and then the rest of the stars and then the moon, we will be reminded yet again of your enormity, your awesomeness, your majesticness. It is hard to comprehend why you would love creatures like us. But you understand it, and that is all we need. Because on this side of things, we are very thankful that you love us. We're thankful that your steadfast love has been shown in our lives, and you visit us, and you care, and you help, and you strengthen. We're so thankful for that. So in these last moments of this service, Father, we want to focus on you and who you are and the love you have for us. Thank you for the fact that when we are powerless, you remain powerful. We praise you, Lord, because that power that we are reaching out to never, ever ends. It never runs out. And that makes you the most dependable thing in the universe. Why you being dependable would love us who are undependable is is an amazing thing. So we leave all this at the foot of the cross. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing.